to the Rogue Agronomist Podcast with Kyle from Stall Agronomy. You never know what I may say or who will be on, but you know it'll be real because that's me. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the podcast. It's Kyle from Stall Agronomy. Let's talk about sticky traps. <laughs> it's rootworm sticky trap season, and... What are sticky traps? How does it uh, how does it work? Um, how many traps do you need? There's there's a lot of stuff that is somewhat shrouded in mystery with sticky traps. But sticky traps are essentially we call them uh, non pheromone traps. So what they are are yellow pieces of wax paper that are coated in a sticky substance, which I will tell you from experience, do not get it on yourself because it sucks to get it off. But what they are is they're non-attractant because rootworms are drawn to the color. So we don't need to put pheromone on them like, you know, Japanese beetle traps that you shouldn't be putting in your yard that use a pheromone bait that draws them in. Rootworm traps essentially are, rootworms are attracted to that yellow color. And Farrakhan is the one that kind of makes the traps that they have kind of the specific trap that everyone uses that's what all the thresholds are based on so these farrakhan traps are what you should be using and they do give us somewhat of an accurate representation of what's in a field Um, the issue with sticky traps is you have to do it the right way so the correct way of doing these sticky traps is having two transects so essentially two lines in a field in for every 10 to 50 acres. So at the most, you should be doing two transects for 50 acres. If you had a 20 acre field, you should, should still do these two transects of six traps each. And if you're in a 150 acre field, you really should be doing six transects. You know, it, it's just, that's how it's supposed to be done. That's where all the thresholds are based on. And why is that the thing that we do? Um, the, the reason behind all of that is I've seen it myself. Uh, a lot of other agronomists have seen this is you could put those traps out and regardless of where you put them, there are always rootworms aren't evenly distributed completely across the field. So you're, it's like any other insect. There are hot spots. I've had several farms where we put ser- these pheromone traps out and we didn't put them in the correct place. We ended up seeing the next year that the hotspots were in a different place. We had lower trap counts. And when we had these lower beetle counts, we thought we were okay. And then the next year we had rootworm damage. So the whole point of doing, doing it the correct way is that hopefully we will eliminate the ability or possibility that we will not have those traps in the correct place. The, The big thing that Wisconsin pushes in some other states, but a lot of them really like these sticky traps, but Wisconsin does like doing beetle counts. So they do like to count beetles on plants. They'll do it in a few different places throughout the field. So it's a little bit more accurate, uh, but the beetle traps give you, you know, a longer tenure of ability to track these rootworm beetle populations because you're, you're doing these traps about once every week or so and you're counting the beetles, they're out there for a week, and you have the ability of seeing what a week looks like within these rootworm beetle populations instead of just walking in a field, counting beetles, 
and walking out. So you just basically get a snapshot. So think soil sample versus, you know, taking a tissue sample on a certain day. The soil sample is probably going to be a little bit more accurate of what's going on in the whole picture. Uh, a tissue sample is going to give you what's going on on that specific day that you're there. Neither are terrible options, um, but they both give you kind of a picture of what's going on in the field. But one gives you a little bit more of a, a bigger picture. So the, the issue around sticky traps and rootworm beetle populations, besides the fact that you might put it in the wrong spot, is a lot of people will tell people to go out and or their sales staff, uh, sales agronomists to go out and put sticky traps in fields. There's a cost associated with it. I mean, sticky traps aren't free, essentially. <laughs> you got to pay for them. So I think the first year I did it, um, it was, I think we were putting four to five traps per field. And that was, you know, one line, essentially. And that was it. And we were going, you know, 100 feet. And then we were going another 100 or 300 feet apart on those traps. So we were doing it as close to the right way as we could. Recently, in the last couple of years, as budgets have kind of been cut in the agronomy industry, a lot of these companies are going with two, three traps per field, and that's regardless of field size. And they're only trapping, you know, maybe one field per farm, trying to find the worst one. So to me, the, the whole sticky trap thing, if someone's going to come do sticky traps for you, you want it to be the correct method. So you want two lines per 50 acres, six traps each, 100 feet out from the edge and about 300 feet apart. Now, is that going to happen? Probably not. It's an intensive process. It's a lot of work. Um, personally, I would not be wanting to do that either. Um, but if you really, really want to know what your rootworm counts are, that's the way it should be done. So putting a couple st sticky traps in a field, are they going to give you information? Yes, they'll give you some information, but are they going to give you the complete picture? No. And that's that's part of the issue we see with rootworm management is as we've started to see this um, massive influx of rootworms in the last four years or so, we've gone further and further away from more IPM and we're going more into how do we sell traits and how do we sell this? And there are certain companies, one company that um, sells seed does a really good job of at least communicating the options. So there, are, there's more than one or two options for rootworm management. One of the options is soil applied insecticide on top of your trait. Another one is going to be rotating to a different crop. Um, one company is really pushing, we have this new trait. It's, it's bulletproof on rootworm. Where have we heard that before? It sounds like the first rootworm traits that came out. And, and that's the concern is as we start seeing increased pressure, it's, it seems to be that we have resistance. There is resistance out in pretty much most areas. But not only do we have resistance, but we also have really large populations of rootworms. And you look at a year like 2023, where it's really dry, they're going to be able to lay eggs deeper in the soil profile. We've had less rainfall, so there's less of a fatal event for these rootworm larvae. So we're going to have a higher population that's going to emerge probably this year 
And not only do we have a higher population this year, but we're going to have more rootworm beetles potentially next year as they lay these eggs deeper, which when they can get into soil cracks and lay eggs deeper, that also gives them more present or more insulation from winter as well. So next year could be pretty bad, but more than likely this year, we're going to see a significant rootworm population because one, we don't have as much rainfall and our activation of dry soil applied insecticides is going to be not as good as it should be. And two, we've just had some great survivability uh, so far this season. So we're going to have a, a very large rootworm year this year, which could potentially be even bigger in 2024. So how do we know what to do? Um, you know, when we talk about one company pushing traits, and we, we could potentially overwhelm that trait, and that's the scary thing. If that's the only option you're putting out in your field is a new trait, you got to remember they're they're going to talk about there's three modes of action in these traits, but there's also three modes of action with two of the three being ineffective currently. So we might see a really good efficacy from a new trait, uh, SmartStacks Pro, Verseed, but the other part of that is going to be as we go forward, we're going to expose those traits to incredibly high rootworm pressure right away, put these in the hardest hit fields. So should we be putting in SmartStax Pro uh, Vorseed with a soil applied insecticide? If you have heavy pressure, yes, definitely. You should be putting in multiple modes of action. We know the insecticide is going to work. It's, it's about 50% effective where traits are 70 to 80% effective on rootworms. And yes, they don't kill every single one of them. Uh, some of them do survive, and that's by design. We want them to survive because the ones that don't get killed by the trait are going to breed with ones that potentially don't get exposed to the trait so that we slow down resistance. But there will be resistance to SmartStacks Pro, Vorseed, not next year, but probably sometime in five to ten years. And, and that's kind of the way these traits are going to work. Until we can stack that with multiple modes of action, think about water hemp. If we're going out there with just Roundup right now, we're not going to do anything. If we go out there with Roundup and Enlist, we have a better shot. But if we don't add any kind of soil-applied herbicide, you know, residual, we basically are just shooting ourselves in the foot. At some point, we're going to have Roundup and Enlist resistant soy or water hemp. And as we go in back with Liberty, now we're going to have Liberty potential for resistance. So we're going to start selecting for some of these resistant factors. Same thing with rootworms. And what, what is the issue with some of these sticky traps is, and what gets us into a quote-unquote sticky situation with rootworm traps, is we're trying to make management decisions based on these sticky traps. And as, as a farmer, as an agronomist, even, um, I will tell you, it is a very labor-intensive process if we want to do it the right way. And... I'm not going to say that I really want to go out and put out 150 million sticky traps across the country to try to figure out which every field's at. But when we go out and put one or two sticky traps in a field or two sticky traps in a field where you're putting, you know, you, you've got the uh, the seed rep out and they're digging rootworms and, and floating them in buckets and, and trying to make management decisions off of one or two plants that they're floating roots on, it, we just can't 
consider that to be a very good source of information as far as you know making some kind of a management decision. It'd be like going out in a field and taking one soil sample and, and trying to determine what fertilizer you're going to put on for the next two to three years based on one soil sample in one field. That's There's a reason why we do multiple soil samples across the field because we get a bigger picture and we've gone to smaller grid sizes so that we get a little bit more accurate. When we look at rootworm management, we've kind of gone the other direction. We're getting less and less information and we're trying to make bigger management decisions based on this less information. So what do we do when, you know, we can't totally rely on sticky trap information what do we do when we can't rely on all this stuff? Why can't we rely on traits? What should we do? And honestly, my best opinion, or at least my opinion on, on this I, this whole thing is that if I'm continuous corn, if I've seen rootworm damage in the past, and I'm a grain farmer, I would be looking at stacking a trait along with an insecticide. And I don't mean bifenthrin. Bifenthrin... While it does have some activity on rootworms, it's not very long lived in the soil. So look at like capture, generic bifenthrins, any of these liquid fertilizer uh, or compatible uh, bifenthrin products. You're going to see some rootworm efficacy, but you're not going to see anywhere near as good of rootworm control as we would see with a dry soil applied insecticide. So Force, Aztec, you name it, Smart Choice. I don't even know if Smart Choice is around anymore. But anyway, that's where we're going to have to be. If you're in continuous corn, you could consider rotating to a different crop. Soybeans, a non-host crop, uh, maybe even winter wheat. Um, That comes up with some new management challenges as we get into water hemp, but we won't go into that yet. But you have to look at kind of the whole management decision. You got to potentially rotate a little bit more acres, which would mean more soybean acres, and also on top of that, you're going to be putting um, dry insecticide on the planter. A lot of these things are, you know, it's very complicated. We've gone from an agronomist just being someone who just told you when to spray Roundup, essentially. Uh, you know, when I first started, we didn't have this kind of rootworm pressure. We had essentially eliminated uh, corn borer which I'd grown up scouting and, and learning thresholds. And, you know, we, so we don't have corn borer anymore. We don't have rootworms. We didn't have to worry about that stuff. If you got corn on corn, you just plant a trait. It works great. Uh, if you got weeds in your field, we just spray Roundup on it and it cleans everything up. Um, we've gone away from that to the point of an agronomist has to be evaluating all these different management things and making multiple management considerations for every farm. And to me, like I said before, I think if we're putting one or two sticky traps in a field, yeah, it's going to give us some information. But once again, it's just a, it's not going to be a complete picture. You've got to look at your past history. You've got to look at what's going on in your farm. We've got to probably fly drones over, uh, check hotspots and fields, and, and make these whole management decisions based on all the information we've been given. And are you going to get somebody to go out and put 12 traps in every 50 acres? I really don't think so. I'm not knocking the people that are going to go out and put sticky traps in fields. I think that sticky traps have their place, but we are just using them as more of a sales tactic and less of a pure management, you know, getting really good data. It's basically data, and that's that's what we're getting out of these traps is some data. Um, it, it's, it's going to help, but to me, I think the best thing you can do is 
look at your bass management history, what you see in the field, and make more observations. We should be walking more and more fields in August than what we do. Usually, once August hits, that's when we start getting the combine and everything ready, and we're not back in the field until harvest. And I think August, for me, is usually the best month to be in a cornfield because if there's a nutrient deficiency, there's still symptoms. Um, if there's weed control issues, you can still kind of tell what's going on. If there's rootworm concerns, if there's anything else going on in those fields, at least we have visual plant symptoms. When we come back at harvest, usually plants are mostly brown or half brown or all brown. And we don't have those clues. We, we end up, you know, I, I don't know how many times where somebody pulled into a field with a combine and called me and said, you got to figure out what's wrong with this field. You walk out there and there's like no clues. You, you're basically a detective with nothing. And it's an unsolved mystery at that point. So anyway, hopefully you guys enjoy this one and I'll catch you next time. Thank you for listening to the Rogue Agronomist Podcast. Be sure to check out our website, stallagronomy.com, and our other social media for more information and other episodes.